Great afternoon. You are in the fast lane with Sarah Jane and Casey Elmore is back and I'm just jacked to talk to her because it's been over a year. So we really need to catch up. So welcome, Casey. Thank you, Sarah. I'm so honored and excited to be here with you and just get to catch up. Like you said, so much to catch up on. So we met last year and Casey came on and at the time her and her family were traveling around the United States, just taking it all in day by day. And so for the past year, we've messaged each other because I, and I was just telling Casey, we were in Utah and then not long later, they were in Utah and then we were down South and I saw she was down South, but I didn't know how close. So we've kind of been thinking maybe along the way we will we've missed each, each other. other just barely like yes. every single time we barely missed each other it was crazy yeah and yes because when you were in Utah you were at a place like we literally were just at and I was like oh my gosh like if we could have just timed this a week different so it were <laughs> destined to meet I told her I just can't yes. wait to give her a hug um it's so fascinating to me to meet people who without actually meeting them, their energy, and they just inspire me. And Casey is one of those people. So today we're going to, we're just going to literally, and some people will roll their eyes and this podcast then is not for you today. We're going to talk about living your best life and truly how you can do it, because that means something different to everyone. But anyone, no matter where you are, can do something to improve where you're at. And I think Casey and her family are prime examples of living their best lives. So first of all, for the people who regularly listen, catch us up on what's been going on and are you still living in your camper? <laughs> That's a great question. So um, when we first met at the time, um, our hus my husband and I and our three kids and a dog, we were traveling full time in an Airstream travel trailer, 30 feet of home. Essentially, I think it was like 180 square feet of home we were living in Whoa. and yes and it was wonderful we made some incredible memories that year in the airstream um, fast forward about one year into living in the airstream we actually felt god just kind of nudging us to consider slowing down putting the airstream on the market so we did we put the airstream on the market and it sold quickly to an incredible family that lives in it full-time now um, and it was kind of heartbreaking because we felt like God was just closing that chapter of travel for us. And then um, we, <laughs> we were living with my in-laws essentially at the time, working on what this transition looked like back in Illinois, um, where we were both from originally. And um, we ended up having a work trip. Um, we actually pivoted careers in 2021. We had our first like leadership work conference um, in Utah. So we flew out to Utah. Jesse and I together. And one of the things we did with our company is they took us on in this incredible hike. Jesse and I got to hike up a waterfall and we were at the top of the waterfall and we both looked at each other and we we're like, we are not done traveling. So <laughs> we come home from this trip. We realized like we've got to pivot because we sold the Airstream. We're essentially homeless. Mm -hmm. um, we ended up buying a um, fifth wheel, which is a substantially bigger home on wheels um you know this this home was more like i don't know 350 400 square feet um so double in size but also that meant there were a lot more um just obstacles when you plan travel and you live that way um and previous to we had we were we had solar we had the ability to be off-grid because we had a um um a composting toilet so we were able to do a lot of really cool things in the airstream that we just couldn't experience in the fifth wheel. 
And so we got on the road in the fifth wheel and about, I don't know, a couple months in, Jesse and I both just looked like we kind of had that aha moment again of like, we kind of did this to ourselves. Like we weren't enjoying travel like we did the previous year. We felt, we realized that we love travel, um, but how we were doing it was just not how we wanted to do it anymore. That God was pushing us in a different direction. Our, um, our dreams and our goals were evolving and it didn't like our dreams and goals still included travel, but not full time how we were doing it. And we met some of the most incredible people living on the road and truly through those experiences, realizing like, what do we want our life to look like in three years and five years and 10 years? And then as we made this career change, we also have just come under new mentorship, of just people that have thought bigger than like we ever even dreamed. It's just, kind of been a gift in disguise we had no idea was coming um and so (laughs) we were like well what do we want our life to look like in three years and five years and what do we need to do right now to make that happen so we prayed about it it became very clear that we wanted to settle in an area where it was warm most of the year that um, we love the ocean we wanted to be by the ocean um and that it would still allow us to have flexibility to travel when we wanted to. And so now, fast forward, we are in Southwest Florida. We've sold the fifth wheel. We've moved out of it officially January 4th. um, And we are in what I would say is kind of this dream home transition. Um, We're in a beautiful three bedroom with a dense. So my husband and I have our own office space. Um, We're still homeschooling the home we live in. We've kind of just built it like, filled it with the things that would create joy and good experiences because a big part of us deciding to travel was to get rid of all the stuff Mm -hmm. and just become more intentional as a family. And so we have this beautiful pool out back where we're creating memories on a regular basis. Um, We've actually purchased a foosball table and an air hockey table that sit out back under the lanai where we can go out with the kids and just hang out and just have joy with them outdoors within like our backyard. Um, If you're in Florida and you live on water, you have gators. So we do live on a lake um, in this, in this rental. And so we don't do a lot out back. We're still navigating that, but ultimately we're like living this, this dream life during this transition of what is next for us. Um, So that's where we are. I love it. And one of the questions was going to be, did you get your stuff out? Because you said you had a small storage unit at some point, like when I talked to you, when we did a podcast last, did you get all your stuff out of there? You still got that there? What are you doing with that stuff? We did get rid of a lot of it. Um, We had a small 10 by 10 storage unit right outside of the hometown we sold our home out of, um, right outside of St. Louis. And we moved a chunk of it, just like memorabilia stuff, you know, things that like our wedding photos and pictures of our children and, you know, things even from my childhood and my husband's childhood. So Jesse's um, parents live on a a good plot of land and they've got a a storage unit there that we've been able to move some of it in. But we have realized that we're going to have, like, we're at a point being in this home that we can transition everything down to Florida because our long-term intention is to home base in Southwest Florida. Um, so we kind of want to take, lift that burden off of his parents of like holding all their, you know, their, their house hostage with some of our things. So <laughs> that will be the next step. Cool. But still living 
pretty minimalistically compared to the average American. Oh my gosh. It's yes. It's so, it's so funny to me. You know, we've got this huge kitchen that's half filled, (laughs) (laughs) empty drawers, empty, empty cupboards, empty closets. You know, it's, we have minimalized so much that now when you look at, you know, how we're living, it's, it's crazy to think, you know, the size of home we have and we have very little things. And, and actually, you know, we, we moved into this home as a rental, we had no furniture, right? So everything with us, with the exception of this desk that I'm on, because I saw it and I loved it. And just, you know, I loved the size and it just spoke to us. Everything else we have purchased has been secondhand. We've purchased everything from um, Habitat for Humanity Restore stores, um, Facebook Marketplace. Those have been like our two spots, but we've literally been able to furnish this whole home very simply, but all of the, you know, just the necessities, our boys share a bedroom. We've got a beautiful bunk bed for them. Um, Got a brand new bed for our daughter, Jovi. She's got her own room now, (laughs) such a big girl. So we've literally gotten everything secondhand and like in immaculate condition. It's amazing when you kind of make this mindset shift of like, I want quality things, but I'm not going to like just pay because we've done that. Like we bought the dream home. We bought the brand new furniture. And then when we went to sell all of it, we were like, wow, we just lost our tail on all these things that we invested in. And Mm -hmm. we just learned that things are temporary and seasons change and if a couch, you know, that we buy that's used isn't great in a year, we can always get another one. So um, that's kind of the approach we took when we moved in this home. Like, let's find beautifully well taken care of things and not buy brand new because ultimately we're still kind of dream building and we don't know what's quite next. Mm-hmm. I like how you have said a couple times that God pointed you in this direction. And I don't think a lot of people understand or know how to hear God when he is telling you something. How can you tell people, how can they maybe slow down and hear what God really is trying to say? Because we all know, you know, we're all really busy. We have all the things. Everyone's going in 97 directions. Are we really able, you think, to hear what we're supposed to hear when we're that busy? Mm, That's so good. Well, I would say that Jesse and I have made some massive life changes that allow us to hear him more frequently. One of which is we've turned off the news. We don't listen to the news anymore. We're not turning on the TV near as often. And that means that we have time to listen to worship music, to spend time in the Bible, to spend time in God's word, where we're able to really soak in his word and what he has to say. Um, And additionally, I will say, you know, we have, we, a lot of our community has a love for God and have really leaned into him. And through those friendships, we've been really able to hear and have just wise counsel in our lives to, you know, make good decisions and to really think forward on our decisions. And actually, I love this. I'll share this with you. So my, my big 2022 commitment was a really, like, I felt God call me to leadership and business, but I really feel him calling me in this direction of leading women in some sort of fashion. And I'm I'm not sure what that looks like, but I do know with consistent prayer and being in his word that he can really, you know, speak that truth. And so my 2022 like commitment is, um, it's an acronym. It's 
it's acronymed SOAP, S-O-A-P. And S stands for scripture, O stands for um, observation, A stands for application, and P stands for prayer. And so what I'm doing on a regular basis, every day, whether I have 10 minutes or I have an hour, I'm spending time reading God's word and I'm writing down one like verse that really spoke to me. And here's something that I've, and, and when you spend time in God's word, like God is going to speak to you. He will. And it might not be, you know, like a blaring voice in your head or something, but he's going to, it's, I call it, it's your intuition. God put that there for a reason. When something jumps out at you, there's a reason why it jumps out to you. So when you use the SOAP acronym, you get to, you know, look at that piece of scripture that stands out to you, right? You get to observe it. Like, why does it stand out to you? Asking yourself just some reflective questions. Why does it stand out to you? What stands out about it? And then application, like, what does it look like to apply that in your life? And then praying about it, you know, spending time with prayer, because that's how you really get to communicate with God is by praying and speaking to him and asking for, asking for him to reveal truth and to strip all the all the voice of the world and just being able to hear him. And so the scripture, which really stood out to me today, and I love it. This is actually the second time I got to share it. I got to share it with my sister this morning in a completely different context. <laughs> we were talking about raising children, but it's so true as adults and trying to hear God's voice. And it was Proverbs um, 2, I apologize. It might be the Proverbs 2 or 3. I goofed, but it is verses 11 and 12. And it is, do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son, and do not loathe his discipline for the Lord disciplines the one he loves just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delighted. And, you know, really we felt God calling us to slow down traveling and not travel anymore. And then we felt like what I would say is the flesh, like our own human desire say, well, we're not done traveling. And so we went and bought this fifth wheel. And then we found ourselves, you know, a short period of time into it of like, oh, that was totally not God's voice telling us <laughs> to keep traveling. That was totally us. And so through that, the discipline was like, we had to like deal with the transition, the cost of, you know, the fifth wheel, moving it around. I mean, just so many different things mm -hmm. was the discipline from the Lord that were, I would say minor inconveniences, but they were still disciplined from us not listening to his voice. And so, you know, so often, you know, as humans, we're gonna, we're gonna make mistakes. We're gonna not listen to God's voice sometimes. But when we are in his word, I'm such a believer that his voice becomes so much louder and so much more clear. And I can definitely attest that during that time, we were not spending as much time in the word and we were not listening to his voice. So um, that is like my biggest, you know, turning off the noise of the world, turning up the volume from God, which includes listening to worship music, spending time around people that are pursuing God on a regular basis and spending time in his word. That is how you're going to hear his voice speak truth and life into your life. How do you think we got to the point, you look at the houses from years and years and years ago, and they were small, and they had large families, and they didn't have all the things. And now people have these huge houses, plus a very large storage unit. What do you think happened? Why do we need all these things to feel complete? Because it almost feels like we need the things to feel whole, right? Is it a security thing? We're insecure, so we need all the things to try to fill the void that we have? 
I think it definitely is insecurity, but, but then you have to look at like, where does that stem from? And most of that stems from what you're watching and what you're listening to. You know, I think about from like, I did an interview last year um, with a woman named Jessica Higdon, who's very successful in network marketing. And it was when we were traveling and she asked me this question about like some deep rooted stuff. And I had no idea that it was going to go this direction, but I ended up crying, having this conversation with her. And the reality was that I had these perceived things in my own life because of perceived societal norms. So, you know, we watch these movies where people are living really well. They've got all these things, right? Life is hunky-dory. Like, I think, like, I grew up with the movie Clueless. Like, <laughs> I mean, right. that was an iconic movie. And she had all the things. And, and, and but look at the storyline of that. Throughout all of that, she realized by the end of the movie, it wasn't the things that filled her cup. It wasn't the things that fueled her life. It was having the people that she loved and having purpose that really like fueled her. And so I think that we watch and we see these things and we perceive rather than truly knowing what society expects or desires. And through all that, I think, you know, in the, in the nineties and the early two thousands, there was this huge culture of keeping up with the Joneses that was created. Right. And no one really talked about their feelings. They just showed up in their nice new car. They, um, you know, they took on tons of debt, bought these big homes because that's what made them feel valued in their community because they wanted to be seen. People want to be seen. They want to be heard. And so they, so this, um, this, you know, coat, you can say they put on of all these things. So they think it's going to like allow them to stand out. And it is insecurities. It's insecurities of like how they were raised, who they were raised around, what they lacked. You know, I can speak a lot about my own life of, you know, um, I have, I have been raised by incredible parents. I, I count myself so blessed, but you know, we were a blue collar family. My dad was a firefighter and my mom worked out of the home as a seamstress. And, um, through that, I was a middle child. I got tons of hand-me-downs. Um, and I, and, and I laughed cause I'm a middle child that I was also someone who wanted to be seen. And so even as my husband and I, we got married, he started making a lot of money with, um, um, his door-to-door -door sales at the time. And let me tell you, we spent the money. We bought the Range Rover. We bought the cars and the things. And I mean, we filled the house with the things. And, and it was because ultimately we just wanted to be seen. And now that we, we are so secure in who God has created us, like we just bought, I'll just be perfectly honest with you. We just bought two things, which are super fun. Okay. The first, we live in a, in a golf um, course community. So we bought a golf cart. We paid cash for it. Like our belief is like you pay cash for things you don't take on debt. And God really calls us to that. You don't take on debt that depreciates. So we bought a golf cart, which is kind of excessive. I'm going to be honest. Like <laughs> I know it's a little excessive, but here's the other thing we bought. We bought a very used Dodge minivan that we were able to pay cash for. It is not glamorous. It is purely for function and to get us to the beach or longer trips or whatnot. But while we're in this community, we're, we'll have this minivan, we'll have this golf cart. And literally in our community, like we can golf cart to the grocery store, we can golf cart to several restaurants. 
They have movies on the square. So we can function. Literally, the reason why we bought this golf cart is because we can function with the minivan and the golf cart. We're in the process of selling our truck. And we'll probably be down to one vehicle. We're in no rush to buy a second vehicle. But, you know, people might look and laugh at, like, the fact that we bought this golf cart. But we bought it. And, and it does seem lavish. And it does seem kind of extra. But it literally is our secondary source of transportation. <laughs> that sounds practical. I love it. It, it really is. It's super practical. It's the only reason why we decided to buy it. And uh, they hold, uh, silly as it sounds, golf carts, we've done some research, they hold their value when you buy good ones. So from a resale perspective, they actually hold value better than vehicles, which is kind of crazy. So um, someone might come on here and argue with that, but <laughs> that's been our, our personal experience. And, and we have several friends in the golf pro community that kind of just spoke some truth to us. So anyways, that being said, you know, we didn't buy this golf cart like as something of like keeping up with the Joneses. We bought it for pure practicality because at some point the truck's going to sell and we're going to be down to one vehicle. And so I'll still be able to go to the store or take the kids around in the community and not need a second car. So um, I think what it comes down to is finding security and who God has really called you to be rather than filling it with things that you perceive society wants you to have. Mm-hmm. I love this. And I have not gotten to any of the questions yet that I was going to ask you. So I'm going to continue (laughs) off script. So you had talked about network marketing. And the reason I want to talk about this is because a lot of people have a really bad taste in their mouth. And it's really funny that they do. But granted, there, there are pyramid schemes that are meant to swindle people and whatnot. Why do you think that people are so apprehensive when they see their friend, like they say, see you, you are a successful person. I'm sure you have very, a lot of meaningful friendships. I view myself as a successful person. I also do some different network marketing. Why do you think that when people sometimes see us, they're more apprehensive to try what we are encouraging them to try than when they say, when they see Jennifer Aniston using Avino, which we both know she's not using Avino. Why is it that they are more apt to trust a celebrity than someone next door? And how did we get that bad rap? Because obviously it's not all bad, is it? No, no, it's not. And I, it's kind of, I want to address this in two different, I want to address, you know, just the network marketing stigma. And I want to address why, you know, we're, we're buying from the celebrities and the yes. influencers and stuff. Right. So, you know, for network marketing has been around for gosh, like, I don't know, like a hundred years. Like when you actually go back in history, like the very beginning of network marketing is direct sales. It's person to person sales, mm-hmm. right. Um, small business to consumer. And you have to and be so, a go-getter to do network marketing. Be. Like you're not sitting you on your hands. No. No. And, and that's just true of entrepreneurship. Here's, here's the stigma around network marketing, but here's why I love it so much. Network marketing was literally the the stigma of, of um, don't buy from my friend because, oh, she's just trying to sell me something. Is that because they have had a negative experience or someone they know has had a negative experience. And here's what people do in society. They love to talk about negativity. That's just the reality. People like to talk more about negative and gossip rather than actually speaking to the truth and the positive stuff. So you hear less people say great stories about their great experiences, right? 
but as soon as something negative happens, they're like the first person to, to want to talk about it. So if someone comes into network marketing, they, let's say they want to build a business, okay? They want to build the business, but they don't want to put the work in. And so they don't make any money, right? And that is a very common misconception of network marketing. I do, I will say that I think that network marketing has some pitfalls. I, I believe and I've witnessed it. It's so cool what 2020 and 2021 has done to make massive pivots necessary for network marketing to move forward into the future because so much of it was built around home parties and home events and mm -hmm. we weren't doing that right everybody was at home and they weren't going out so I've seen a lot of pivots happen which is beautiful um, and because of that I believe more people are actually going to be successful in the future because they're going to find ways to build more online rather than leaving the home to go do an event, leaving the home and spending their money to go to an event, right? They're gonna, so much was revealed. I think <laughs> I say this is true about 2020 and 2021 in general, so many like downsides to society that everybody just kind of kept shoving under the rug were, were, were revealed. And, and that included people, you know, filling their schedules with too many things and not really prioritizing the most important things in their life, which is their family and their marriage, right, mm -hmm. for themselves. And so there's the stigma that's been created because someone had a bad experience trying to build a business. So then they can't help themselves and they go talk badly about it. But additionally, they come into a business and they assume that someone's going to hold their hand and mentor them through the process. And that's not the truth. Literally. They bought a franchise. When you when you sign up for network marketing, you bought your own franchise. There are definitely products in place, and, and many times there are some systems in place. But you bought a franchise. And my husband and I, we owned a CrossFit gym for two years. And guess what? It was a franchise. And guess what? We had to create our own systems. We had to create our own success. It wasn't handed to us. Literally, there was not a manual of how to run a CrossFit gym. We had to build it from scratch and figure it out and build our own systems and our own programs. And it worked but we had to work hard at it. So I think a lot of people assume they sign up for network marketing. It's going to be like, oh, success. When the reality is that, it, and then they blame the person that, you know, helped sign mm -hmm. them up, right? So then the, again, this negative stigma. I think the last reason why, you know, some people have a lot of, have negative stigma around network marketing is they have an expectation of a product to change their life within a month. When the reality is, is like, I'm, my background is being, I was a holistic health practitioner by trade and our bodies take 100 to 120 days to really know how they're going to respond to a product. It doesn't matter whether it's oils or makeup or health and wellness, your bodies take time to respond to products. And so a lot of the industry is built around these things. And as soon as someone doesn't have the expectation, right, expectation versus like, what they really should, you know, be taking mm -hmm. the time and, and being willing to learn and listen to their bodies. They have a quote unquote experience that's not to their expectation. And so that, again, they create a stigma that pr the products are bad. I have been in this industry for, I've been exposed to network marketing. My parents uh, raised me essentially exposed to network marketing. They had their own little side gig with network marketing. So I've been exposed to this industry for most of my life. And what I've wa witnessed is that just about every company I have come into contact with in network marketing, the products are some of the best products in their field, whether it's makeup, whether it's cleaning products, whether it's health and wellness, whether it's oils, 
um, I could go on. They are the best products in the industry. The quality of these products is just through the roof. And I can't speak for all of them, but a lot of them. So, but people's expectations, right? So then you kind of pivot to, you know, you've got this stigma, right? That's been created. And, and the truth of the matter, also speaking about negativity, is that it takes 18, 17 to 18 positive experiences to overcome one negative one. So that means like the Whoa. brain literally takes 17 to 18 on average positive experiences. So that means if you have one negative interaction around network marketing, it will take you to have 17 to 18 different exposures of positive to for your brain to literally turn that thought process around. It's the brain is a powerful thing. And so um, that being said, you have one negative interaction with network marketing that's your, that's your, that's your story that you've created. Yes, exactly. So then you flip it, right? Like, I think the reason why people buy from celebrities or influencers is because they assume that they've worked so hard to get to this place of notoriety that they can trust them. When the reality is, no doubt they have worked hard. I will never take someone's work ethic. I will never speak to someone's worth ethic. But that doesn't speak to integrity of products. Listen, people get paid to push products. Celebrities get paid, influencers get paid to push products. And if the payment is good enough, they will share products that they could care less about. Like you said, they don't use. But if the payment's good enough, like I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just saw, and this is not a dig to Julian Huff. I actually love her. I've followed her for years. But I just saw her in... Um, a furniture like magazine and I was like I have a feeling she's never bought furniture from this store but she was <laughs> in a furniture magazine that came like you know one of those mail flyers mm-hmm. but she's getting paid to be, have her picture in with that furniture so why wouldn't she she's got to make a living so but because celebrities are in a space a space of the spotlight right where they're they're seen they're heard they're put you know we put celebrities and influencers up on this pedestal so we assume that what they're touting or sharing or face on the product is good. So that's what people turn to rather than your neighbor, rather than your friend on social media, right? The, and, and I, can, I can say truly that what makes me so sad on the topic is that the person that's sharing, whether it's network marketing, whether it's an affiliate link, whatever business that they have, like they are a small business owner and it crushes me to see people go and purchase a product from a big time celebrity that's making millions and not going and supporting small business. Like the reason why America was literally created the way that it's created, it was built on small businesses. Mm-hmm. Like if you think back to when we settled, like the businesses that were, that got us going were, were the blacksmiths where the seamstresses, where the small doctors, these small towns and small businesses mm-hmm. that over time grew, right? So it, it, it hurts my soul a bit to witness um, people purchase from celebrities over small businesses, but people do it every day. They do. And what would you say to the people who are listening and they're scared, not not necessarily scared to join network marketing, but they're scared to make a change in their life because you 
have made some drastic changes in your life. So I would like to know how you would encourage people to do something different in their own lives. So to that, <laughs> when Jesse and I first got married, we had moved to, so <laughs> let me backtrack a little bit. When Jesse and I first met at the time, he was playing um, professional soccer in St. Louis. And I was a senior in high school and we met through our soccer careers, our soccer path. And during that time, I watched, um, I watched him start personal training and side gigging to make, to make a life, to, to make a life better for himself. Because let's be honest, professional soccer does not pay very well. <laughs> and through that, it really kind of just rooted in me and Jesse and I that if we were going to like build a life that we really wanted, we were going to have to do things that were uncomfortable. We were going to have to do things that were brave. We were going to have to do things that kind of broke the mold. Um, and through that process, you know, we found network marketing. We, um, Jesse found door-to-door -door sales. It literally was our first income that allowed us to, to break six figures, his door-to-door -door sales gig. And, but it was hard. You know, it was something that took a toll on us. He left on Monday mornings and he came home Thursday nights. But we knew that it was a necessary sacrifice to get to where we wanted to go. Um, I think so often people are not willing to, to sacrifice convenience for their future. And for us, we were sacrificing the things, you know, to make our future happen. We were building a residual income. His door-to-door his -door sales business was a residual income. And through that vision of that experience, that is really what got me excited about network marketing in the first place, because I saw the power of, you know, not trading hours for dollars anymore. And, but it would take sacrifice, right? Um, and so I would just say, you know, the biggest thing for those that are looking at an alternative path, are looking to break the mold, are looking to build a life beyond where they are right now, you have to think long-term and you have to be willing to make consistent changes in your life to get to where you want to go. I think so often people get derailed by children or life circumstances or bills or, and, and I mean, goodness gracious, the, um, the mental, I mean, we talk about a, um, a, you know, the health crisis of the world, the mental health crisis that our country is in right now is so devastating. Um, it's it tr truly the, one of the biggest things that, that people really need to focus on is healing their mind and really dealing with the deep stuff that, you know, keeping them from, in my opinion, who God has called them to be, because God did not call us all to just work nine to five, work our tails off, create debt, just mm -hmm. working till we're 60, 65, 70 years old. And then we turn around and we realize, oh, what did I just do with my life? You know, the one thing when um, there was a, a survey done of like, I, I can't recall the number of people, but they were, there was a group of people that were surveyed or researched that were on their deathbed. 95, and they were asked, 
if there's anything you could have changed in your life, what would it have been? 95% of the responses were, I wish that I would have spent time doing the things that really mattered with the people that really mattered. And the reality is, is that we, as a society, we create these lives around working, going to school, filling our calendars with all sorts of things. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you know, fill your calendar with soccer for your kids or jujitsu mm-hmm. or dance. You should be doing those things. Mm-hmm. But if the extent of time that you spend with your children is literally three hours in the evening every single week and, you know, 48 hours on the weekend, when you actually look at the amount of time you spend with your children as adults, we're spending, they're spending more time at work than they are seeing their children, which is just devastating. And so that being said, you know, if someone's really wanting to look at making a life change, building their own business, whether it's network marketing, entrepreneurship, ultimately it's prioritizing the things that are going to get you to where you go consistently over time. It's going to require sacrifice. Like for me, I'm in a season of life where we have a big, crazy financial goal for our family. And that means that right now we have fasted um, technology after 9, 9 p.m. technology is off. No phones, no anything. Um, additionally, I have given up. <laughs> you're going to laugh at this. I've given up coffee after 9 a.m. Like if I am, if I haven't finished my coffee, 9 a.m., it's down and it's out. Wow. So that I can. Yeah. And it, and a big piece of that is because I want to make sure I'm nourishing my mind and my body well so that I'm getting my workouts in. So I'm getting my work done so I can be present with my children when I'm just sitting there drinking coffee all day, or let's be honest, putting it in the radiation fested microwave, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, it's not serving my body so that I can reach towards my goals. So, you know, even today, you know, some people might say, well, Casey, you've, you've made it, you've built a successful million dollar sales team. You've built this six, this beautiful six figure income. You're making this dream life. But the reality is like, we've had a goal, but we have more goals. And so it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take consistency and it's going to take clarity. Like if you don't know where you're going or where you want to go, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter what you're sacrificing if you have no idea what you're trying to build. So getting clarity on what you want so that you know what you're willing to sacrifice or willing to be consistent with so that you can move in that direction. Is that, is that, did I answer that like yes. entirety? Okay. Yes. I was like, that was when good. you asked it originally, I was like trying to process it's like, okay, this is good, but it's loaded. And I'm like, I have so much I could say. <laughs> you know, I think that was great. And I, I think that a lot of people do lack clarity and, and I'm not pointing the finger. I'm not saying that sometimes I don't have clarity I don't, I don't have clarity all the time either, but I, this, this was fun. I told you I was going to respect your time and we literally need to um, do this more than once a year because there's so many different topics. And sometimes people just need some positivity because like you said, everyone likes the negative misery loves company. And when one person complains then the other one can piggyback and it really is a snowball. So I'm so grateful that we could have a positive uh, discussion that hopefully people will take something and maybe they'll start reading the Bible more. Maybe they'll start just meditating and being quiet more and just listening to themselves more. So I'm hoping that 
everyone who listens can take something out of it. And I love your energy. I just, I literally love our chats. I love watching you on the social media. I, every time I see you, I smile. So thank you so much for sharing all your gifts. Thank you for having me. And if you don't mind me just saying, you know, anyone that's listening, um, like I loved connecting with people. I love pouring into people. Um, people can find me on Instagram at um, Casey Elmore underscore um, my first and my last name underscore. And if you, if they liked anything they heard today, like you can get bits and pieces of that every day from me on Instagram. I just love that platform. I love, you know, connecting with people. So I hope that that can serve, you know, your community, Sarah. Thank you so very much. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Fast Lane with Sarah Jane podcast. If you like what you hear, share the podcast and hit the subscribe button so you get updates on all new episodes. And we truly love feedback, so ratings and reviews are appreciated.